I used to ride across the desert, you know. I used to glide on my speeder, pray that I don't find what I don't wanna find. Waiting for me round the corner, oh no, no. Welcome to Closing Crawl, a fan made Clone Wars recap podcast. This week, we review Season 1, Episode 5, Rookies. I'm Matt Hayward, and I'm always first, kid, in Burlingame, California. Hey, everybody, this is McCormick out in Chicago, and I'm still the pretty one. This is Drew in Chicago, and I'm incredibly shiny. This is Jared in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I'm confused because we're doing these out of order. And this is John, returning from Parts Unknown. Our episode opens with our standard Jedi fortune cookie. This week's fortune cookie is the best confidence builder is experience. As always, the news announcer comes on in his old timey radio voice and basically says, as scenes from other episodes, including some that haven't aired yet, play, we hear the forces are spread thin across the outer rim and clones are being rushed into service, some before training is completed. Matt, you're a, you're a man of hidden talents. Yeah, most people ask me to keep them hidden. So after yeah, the announcement, I... we... Go ahead. Insult me more. Please bring it on. No, I just feel like... Uh, it. Do... Do you want Star Wars Metallica songs? Because this is how you get Star Wars Metallica songs. Just under under trained. We should definitely use Star Wars Metallica <laughs> as our interview. What were we thinking? So after the announcement, we are brought to uh, Moon of Rishi. There are several rookie clones there. Uh, their names are Heavy, Echo, Fives, Cut Up, and Droid Bait. They're manning the outpost, they get bored and are trying to entertain themselves, and their sergeant reminds them that the station is key to defending Camino, and that there are also officers coming to inspect the station. I just wanted to note that early in this scene, we uh, see the deck officer scanning the outside, and they totally reuse the flying space mana model from two episodes ago as much smaller, not space manas that are flying around the moon here. Speciation is, is a tricky thing, Jared. <laughs> and also the the clones totally have a, a like good morning vietnam style uh, radio going on with uh with a robot disc jockey that thing's awesome oh was she a robot that explains her eyes i'm glad you brought that up because then that raises the question of whether there is counter propaganda programming from the separatists like there's mustafar molly who is just sandbagging clones left and right. I feel like it's so rare that we see depictions of any sort of entertainment or media in Star Wars outside of a bar. I thought it was great that these guys are just sitting around in the bunker listening to talk radio. They're getting red-pilled as we speak. <laughs> I also really liked that the music was stuck somewhere between disco and like early rap hip-hop. Like there, there was definitely a little bit of rapper's delight groove going on with with uh, with the music. They needed Christmas lights strung up in there to complete the whole Vietnam type feel. The sexy robot disc jockey uh, and the pinups in the room do lead to some awkward clone sexuality questions that 
maybe we shouldn't be getting into on a children's show? Along those lines, as far as the advanced maturation of our clones, Sarge shows up and he's got some salt and pepper in his eyebrows and his temple. Do you think their accelerated maturation, like, that seemed like a huge bummer to me. That guy biologically can't be more than 15 years old and he's already got graying hair. The oldest clones are like 12 years old right now. 12 years ago is when the Jedi put the order in and they didn't even have Jango Fett as a, as a template then. I find it interesting that we're pondering the fact that basically clones age in presidential years. <laughs> no, I was just concerned. I feel like the clones have, have it hard enough without the prospect of having to face middle-agedness 18 months after initial deployment, right? <laughs> they won't survive that long. It's fine. I feel like we're just coming up with things to put on the Mustafar radio network. <laughs> <laughs> Back to our sexy robot disc jockey the the guys are goofing off at the base and you know some dinging appears in the background and they discover that there's a meteor shower so they have to raise their shields a number of meteors strike the base all around it including hitting the shields but you discover soon enough that they aren't exactly rocks and a number of commando droids come out of ships and start to assault the station well this seems like a direct homage to Empire Strikes Back with the asteroid strike that's the Imperial probe droid, right? Given that, are we going to get a, and I thought they smelled bad on the outside, reference? <laughs> I don't know. Let's see if that pays off later on in the episode. I will note that instead of coming out of a probe droid, they come out of the uh, exact same ship that was hunting down the escape pods uh, a couple episodes ago, because making new CG models is hard. Yes, the ones, the uh, the can crusher spaceships are the uh, are the asteroids in this episode. The droids uh, attack the station, overwhelm the defenses, and droid bait, aw, and the sergeant are killed. Although the sergeant first tells the rest of the clones they need to warn the fleet, now heavy Echo 5s and cut up flee the station through a ventilation shaft. Tactically, in this assault sequence, there's a moment where one of the troopers is at the top of a stairwell, holding like one hand off screen and then coming to stand fully out of cover at the top of the stairs. Like they will not be able to blast his right thumb, but everything else is exposed. It was nice that they lampshaded at the beginning that these troopers had been pressed into battle before their intensive training was completed. It really shows. I mean, it, he's like a six-year-old. Uh, I mean, like if they can't even leverage the high grounds to beat off some battle droids, then I, I don't know what's Ooh, going on. Word, word choices are important. Word choice. word, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Those are my last words. I can do better. I got them a little bit of slack, though, because the commando droids are actually kind of nasty. They're not your standard B1s marching in. No, that Roger, Roger. was ominous. <laughs> I definitely have issues with a lot of what is going on here militarily. The fact that this base is so important and it contains like a whopping eight troops, if 30 asteroids are hitting the shields, maybe these aren't asteroids. Maybe we should be a little cautious when we step outside. <laughs> Rex and Cody, sure, they would do that. These guys are, they're, they're, they're shinies. They're so shiny that a bunch of droids raid the facility and a full, I believe, two of them actually take shots at the bad guys. Uh, three. Sar Sarge gets involved briefly, and there was some confusing editing. <laughs> 
two get killed at the bottom of the stairs. Sarge gets killed on the stairs. At least half of half of the clone troopers don't even fire a shot before their base is taken, which is like some SLA Marshal Men Against Fire level of level of command and competence going on here. The industrial architecture was also incredibly poor. If they're going to fight off a siege, there are a lot of places for attacking forces to take cover in. Did the clones, do they have uh, like industrial designers too who got thawed a little quickly? Like it, just, it raises <laughs> a lot of questions about what's going on with the Republic Army. The kill on the sergeant was rather vicious. As he's at the top of the stairs, his leg gets shot out from under him. He falls down, face down, and then he rolls over and there's three droids standing over him, point blank, and just cap him. Uh, it was very Reservoir Dog style. It was brutal. No, they, they turned that guy to ash. No taking prisoners there. That's spoilers for later in the episode. The commando droids hardwire the all-clear signal from the outpost so the Republic won't know there's a problem. Uh, then they inform General Grievous. Asajj Ventress lets Grievous know that she is in place for the assault on Kamino. She's incredibly competent. The BX droids are incredibly competent. So this is a moonshot, but is anybody else just shocked by the level of competence and planning that the Separatists are capable of here? Certainly the commando droids were like a very different gear. They also have functioning knees. No other droid actually crouches behind stuff. These things climb on things. They crouch behind things. Like they actually they like use their legs. At this point, we have Rex and Cody on their inspection tour. They arrive at the Rishi moon and answer the, and call the, call the outpost. And we get a pretty competent Han Solo impression from the BX droids. Well played, guys. They are as successful as Han Solo in pulling this off. Boring conversation anyways. Speaking of org charts, uh, do I have it right that <laughs> Rex is a captain and Cody's a commander and, so, and a commander is better than a captain in the Republic Navy? You are accurate on both of those counts, and that does not match any real-world military. This is kind of like how also in every science fiction show ever, a destroyer is the biggest kind of ship, even though that <laughs> is not how it works in the real world. Jared, I hate to break it to you, but Star Wars is not real. I think Battlestar Galactica breaks that, breaks that covenant. They call them base stars, not destroyers. Guys, we are wasting our material for our Battlestar Galactica podcast. But in, if, say, if I'm a captain, uh, like, say, a fighter pilot captain, uh, and there's a commander of the aircraft carrier that I am stationed on, then the titles work, but it potentially different uh, arms of the military? In most real-world militaries, the, the people on the aircraft carrier are in the same uh, arm of service as the people running the aircraft carrier. Uh, the Marines, Jared? Come on. Aren't Marines, like... You know what? I think we might... We might be off target here. <laughs> stay on target. Stay on target. Stay stay tuned for our fifth podcast about <laughs> real world military ranks. Drew, real quick on your Han Solo impressioning droid. Basically, what this droid has done is has taken the helmet of a fallen clone trooper and put it on, robotically adjusted his voice. And then is attempting to convince Rex and Cody that everything is fine here. 
Yeah, this is this is gruesome. This is just war crimes coming out the wazoo. Wait, wait, Drew, are, are you assuming that the head is inside the helmet still? I'm assuming that they chopped <laughs> off the the head with the uh, you know these are droids. They've got those big swords on their back for a reason, and you know if they have to chop off a head and then scoop out all the fleshy goo <laughs> to get to do a little uh, little puppetry. Yeah, then I I mean are, are we saying that they aren't capable of it? Yeah, I've seen I've seen things you guys. Uh but then they say Roger Roger at the end and Rex and Cody despite being I'd say like generously two of our best clones uh don't pick up on the reference. And that makes me wonder just how competent these clones are really supposed to be. I wouldn't say that they didn't pick up on the reference. I I think there was a little bit of a head tilt. They might not have immediately suspected something fully malicious, but they they felt something was off. Yeah, they say something is up, but seriously, this clone trooper just said Roger Roger to you. Maybe he was drunk and he was just like, Roger Roger, I'm ready for the inspection, General Cody. Or maybe it's a common trope in the Republic Army to make fun of the Roger droids. That I would believe. All right, I'm going with that one because that makes a lot more sense. We solved it. Rex is not an idiot. <laughs> Heavy, Fives, and uh, Echo all end up outside. They've used the ventilation shafts effectively. This is not a well-designed military outpost. Just terrible. And then they remember that there are giant eels, which is why they typically do not go outside. I'm going to do a little headcanon here, guys. I want you to bear with me on this one. Did anybody notice the mandibles on the giant space eels? Oh, I did. Where are you going yeah. with this? Well, as we know, Star Wars takes place in a galaxy far, far away time long ago. What if these eels are proto-predators? That means that the Predators and Aliens franchise are now in-universe canonically this is how i get my dream show of bishop danny glover and r2d2 roaming the universe solving crimes and getting up to hijinks tell me i'm wrong i, I think that was in <laughs> i'm just happy that drew came up for you know for a reason for that damn eel because otherwise i was just like why is this in here like we, we have so much other stuff going on like yeah, so we can get some sweet fanfic going on. I'm telling you, man, I, I think I might be onto something here. But I'd also like to bring this back to, I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Except in this case, it is a clone going, I thought they smelled bad on the outside! <laughs> and then getting eaten. We have the clones who uh, just escaped getting eaten by a space seal, who cannot kill a space seal. See... Uh, Cody and Rex landing and they try to figure out exactly what the heck they should do to get their attention so that they can tell them that they're walking into a trap. At this point, we get some pretty canny like strategy from both the shinies and the BX droids. I'm and you've got and you can't tell me that putting on that armor they didn't scoop some clone out of at least part of that. Yeah, otherwise it would be all clanky. 
it's like a, a Terminator. They've got to have a little bit of the meat on top to a, a over a metal skeleton. We are making those BX droids just, you know, badass. <laughs> but they are badass. Those guys are, like, terrifyingly competent for, you know, Separatist Army. Like, why don't you just make the entire Separatist Army out of these guys? Maybe there's some sort of not deterministic manufacturing process where... For every 100 regular battle droids, you get one of these, but you also get one of the firefighters. It's, it's like when you're, you're bidding chips for, for processor speed. You just see how fast they go and throw them in the right bucket. Yeah. So what you're saying is our, like the tolerance, there's like a wide variance here. So most of them are good. Got an well, edge case, which is bad, unquote, and we've got good. an edge case, which is good. Yeah, good. For the function of being a mobile weapons platform that can... Kill, dro- kill clones. <laughs> but so we see the, uh, the clones end up firing off their flare and Rex just caps one of the droids, like immediately picks up on it and finally puts all the pieces together. It is just like savage. That was like a very, very cool move from Rex. Then they get into a firefight, and we again we see now that Rex and Cody are operating on a completely different level than any of the tr- clones that were assigned to this station. Cody, upon seeing his subordinate shoot an apparent clone trooper in the head, his reaction is to say, what are you doing? <laughs> Rex is like, hang on. Uh, let me draw out the suspense here a little bit. I'm going to kneel down. Are you ready? And he pulls the helmet off. Yeah, I just view him as like, you know, how are we going to clean this up? Like, <laughs> it's not the first time. It's a, seriously, it's it's, a, it's like a Pulp Fiction moment. Oh man, I shot Marvin in the face. The droids throw the thermal detonators at Rex and Cody. They jump off the side using their their tow cables or ascension lines. I guess is the uh, the proper term for them. Conveniently landing right by where the uh, the shinies are, are are gathered, and Drew's space worm uh, reemerges, and Rex caps it in the eye, one shot, boom, it's dead. Pretty cool, pretty impressive. Then uh, you know Rex and company uh, have the uh, the clone troopers take off their helmets to identify themselves and make sure they're not droids, and that's when they go through the introductions. And that's where I think they really got... John, to be clear, they don't take off their helmets. This is something I found very interesting. It's hands above your head. Take your sunbonnets off. <laughs> your sunbonnets? What is that? That's exactly the kind of thing that <laughs> a real world military would call them. Yeah, they're being trained in obviously like Venture Brothers education beds. Uh, <laughs> they have a very weird and specific <laughs> level of education. The rookies go about introducing themselves, and this is where I feel like they got it wrong, because they're, they're doing, you know, I'm Fives, I'm Heavy, I'm, you know, Echo, so forth and so on. And it's clear that just, no, Echo, your name is Donatello, and they just replaced your shell with clone armor. And Cody, you're Leonardo, and Rex is Raphael, and Fives, you're Michelangelo, and then you keep going down this rabbit hole, General Grievous is the Shredder, yeah, you know, Master Yoda <laughs> is Splinter, and, like, you can get pretty far with this analogy until you get to, like, Crang. But who's heavy? And then you're kind of like <laughs> heavy. Doesn't need to be a t- like, if you if you have to put him as someone. I think he's Casey Jones. But I just there's there's five people in this scene, and you named four of them, and then no, moved the people who yeah. aren't in this scene. Based on our speculations about clone sexuality, maybe heavy is April <laughs> O'Neil. <laughs> Said gonna come. Put me 
in a coconut, and they did. Can we talk about shinies here? I have a theory on when they were doing the gene splicing on Rex, they clearly spent all of their character points in like one-shotting monsters and dual wielding and didn't put anything into perception because first off, he fails to identify the Roger Roger comment on the inbound ship as we discussed. And then he's taken these rookies apart by calling them shinies and their armor is so new and shiny. I'd rather be shiny like a treasure from a sunken pirate wreck. As he's talking to a guy in like mega scuffed up, distressed, dirty armor. Like it really made me concerned about his visual acuity. <laughs> so you're saying after the flare he rolled a nat twenty to uh figure it out, but normally he would have just been like, Hey, that's pretty. It would have been awesome if he went down there and then just like capped heavy or someone like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, under the assumption that it was another droid dressed in armor. Rex is actually an Imperial <laughs> Commissar from 40K. He's just capping groups left and right. Hey, that's why pencils have erasers, you guys. Cody's just like, God damn it, cut that out. Matt, to your point, we're also actually introduced to another nickname. We get Tweezers, uh, which is another nickname for the droids. It's shockingly, uh, uh, one of the rare non-Ahsoka nicknames. Uh, well, the droids all get all get nicknames from correct because they're they're clankers as well as tweezers as rollies. Those are those are not Ahsoka nicknames. How do you know? Maybe maybe the clones in Ahsoka are hanging out on the deck. So if they're twelve year old boys, then they are not hanging out with Ahsoka. They're just like ah, girl, and running away. The clones return to the outpost and impersonate a droid, kind of the same way the droids have been impersonating clones. In order to gain entrance, they. Storm the outpost, big raging battle. Rex managed to murder a droid with his bare hands, and they retake the control center. As they do, the Separatist fleet, uh, fleet arrives, but they can't contact the droids on the surface. So they send reinforcements. And the clones decide to destroy the outpost so that the Republic will notice that the uh, all-clear transmission has gone away. To be clear, Rex doesn't just kill a droid with his bare hands. He comes up behind it and twists its head off. He's a bad man. It was pretty spectacular. I really I really liked that kill. A few moments before that, Rusk masquerades as Unit 2-6. He fools the droids inside into thinking that he's a droid wearing a clone helmet. See, this is because the first time when the droids were impersonating the clones, they were being Han Solo in A New Hope, telling that everything's fine here. And that doesn't work, just like it didn't work for Han Solo. But this time... It's weekend at Bernie's. Han Solo <laughs> in Return of the Jedi when he convinces the bunker to open the back door because they need reinforcements, and so it does work. The real problem, though, is that this means the battle droids like don't have any internal communications and are not networked. And so, to return to our Battlestar Galactica references, like seriously, just your droids should be able to talk to each other without actually talking out loud. Like it's easier. Yeah. Do you want Skynet, Jared? That's how you get Skynet. No thank you. The Separatists are much too smart for that. I'm the Separatist, and I'm using an entirely AI army. Yes, I want Skynet. If Echo was not already my favorite due to his adherence to rules and regulations, uh, he became my favorite <laughs> towards the end of this scene, where all five of our heroes are standing up observing the, the inbound droid fleet. And then there's a cut, and then Echo has excused himself down to the, like, op center and is sitting on a chair with his back to the rest of the clones, kind of talking over his shoulder. Like, uh, his knees must be killing him. <laughs> uh, I think it surprises no one 
participating in or listening to this podcast that you enjoy the rule following clone. <laughs> At some point during this uh, during this segment, it does cut away to Anakin and Obi Wan, and I love their conversation because they're they're upset that they haven't gotten confirmation that Rex and Cody have arrived and that everything is fine on the station. How's you know how's the inspection going? They get into this little spat with each other. And Obi-Wan says, It appears your captain follows orders as well as you do. To which Anakin replies, Hmm, perhaps Cody is boring Rex with standard procedures and protocol. This was really awkward. Like, they're basically <laughs> having, you know, the kind of fight that only married couples or, like, really long-term friends have. And they're having it right in front of Admiral Yalarin. <laughs> like, you could just, I see him off screen, like, looking down at his data pad, just like, do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> This is this is why Admiral Yularen eventually quits the Navy and joins Imperial Security instead. There's a shot here as we're coming through the base where we see next to a duty station some pinup girls. And first off, I thought this is pretty bad discipline to allow something like that in the you know in in the work environment. But it also made me think, oh, like these poor poor clones. I would have assumed that the Kaminoans would have just put all their you know reproductive drive into. Uh, whatever we did to Stallone and Demolition Man, make make him want to like knit and stuff. Th- these clones are becoming more and more tragic to me. <laughs> to think of them out there on their own, like beset by these urges in this base, and with the six years of maturation they've had mentally to deal with this. Perhaps the reason for the inspection is because HR got a complaint about the posters that were hung up all around the base. Yeah, HR takes these allegations very seriously, and a full investigation will be conducted. Yeah, I don't think anybody thought the clones had a, you know had it good. So, no, they're slave soldiers who are just who are thrown into the meat grinder constantly. It's a real like pirates of Penzance scenario with consent here, though, right? Like these guys, they're not old enough to drink, <laughs> they're not old enough to smoke, they're probably below the age of consent in most reasonable jurisdictions, and yet these urges. <laughs> Puberty's tough for us all. Was anybody else surprised by how like dangerously genre savvy General Grievous was in this instance, where he was like, "Something's gone wrong. This is our shot at just nutting the entire Clone War produ- like clone production facility. Like we leave nothing to chance here. He might be a good general." When they see that the Separatist fleet is inbound, Cody has this rah-rah speech with the guys about how Camino's the closest thing they have to a home world, and those are their brothers, which kind of gets back to the overall thing, that exactly how human are the clones. You know, essentially saying, like, well, we're not all the way human, but we do have a home. There, There's a lot of really grim implications there that they feel like they have a home. They don't get to live there. It's where they're turned into slave soldiers, but it's the closest thing they have to it, and their brothers are the closest thing they have to a family. You make me sad. The speech happens, clones get ready to fight. Heavy, all by himself, goes out to the front door and picks up his heavy blaster cannon and starts shooting battle droids as the battle rages. I feel like perhaps maybe more than one clone could have come out to start shooting at the droids, but why use numbers? We we got one guy, he's got a big gun, what more do you need? As his position is quickly going to be overwhelmed, they uh, fall back to the command center and prepare to detonate the whole base. Unfortunately, the remote detonator for the bomb just 
isn't working. Uh, having volunteers to uh, stay behind and work on it and cover their escape. Uh, if, there's, because- if there's one guy you want fixing sensitive electronics, it's the one named Heavy. <laughs> exactly. Unfortunately, uh, Heavy is not as genre-savvy as apparently General Grievous is. He is unable to fix the bomb or fix the remote detonator on the bomb. The droids storm the command center, shoot him a couple of times, uh, and with his dying breath, he manages to lunge for the, the manual activation point, blow up the bomb, blow up the droids, blow up the base, and sadly blow up himself. I'm, I'm going to disagree with you there real quick on lunges towards he basically makes a speech and then gradually moves his arm to push the button. The droids had plenty of time to kill him. Yeah, they have several seconds to burn him down. Like, he gives he gives a full-on Shakespearean soliloquy here. It's over the top. Can we go back to those gonk droids for a moment? Uh-huh, we, yeah. We've, we've been talking about the lack of females in the clone army. And those I don't like the road this is going down. Yeah, those gontroids feel like a Welsh sheep. Like, they are just skittish and traumatized. I'm sorry, but I I don't like what the... the, I'm going to say it. I don't like what the clones did to those poor (laughs) gontroids. Yeah, Echo sure sure knew right where they were, huh? (laughs) He really did. I, I have a question for the panel. Have they invented the wheel in the Clone Wars? Because <laughs> these gonk droids have legs. And then I started thinking about it. And I'm like, we got land speeders. We got hover tanks. I'm not sure I've ever seen a wheel. Yeah. And it might make these gonk droids make a lot of sense. We've seen treads. The Separatist rocket platforms have giant wheels that are sort of like angled in a little bit from from attack of the clones yeah so Grievous, they, Grievous rides off on one oh, as he's got uh, that Obi-Wan like motorcycle is, thing yeah, yeah. got Obi-Wan that monowheel bike oh, although man. that's after this so they might but I, the the separatist <laughs> missile launcher tanks right now are, in separatist uh separatist labs they're working on the wheel <laughs> fires next Another thing that happened in here that caused me to revise my estimate of Rex is about 10 minutes ago, as they're heroically storming the base, a trooper says, Permission to take point, sir. And Rex says, I'm always first, kid. And I thought, wow, what a hero. And then when it comes time to escape, overwhelming odds, one of the clones, one of our, you know, shiny clones pulls aside the grate on the escape chute, and Rex is the first one out the escape chute, <laughs> followed by Cody. So really leading from the front, those two. It's like, for Rex, it's it's not so much about heroism, it's just like, this is the rule. Like, he's like, awesome, he's hell on the buffet line. Like, always gotta be first. <laughs> Well, you know, he has improved reflexes from his commander-ness. Speaking of his character stats with low perception, he does get all the way down what appears to be a 15-story escape chute before realizing Heavy is not with them. (laughs) (laughs) So you're saying he's basically a paladin then? Very charismatic. (laughs) Not really on the ball. Even the clones don't care about the clones. I mean, it's just... He's a shiny. He's disposable. With the base destroyed, the all-clear signal that's being sent to the Republic fleet is stopped. They know something is up, and therefore jump the fleet to Rishi. They're apparently close because they get there in literally like the length of two sentences. This The signal is both uh, faster than light, and the ability to get to Rishi is uh, remarkably impressive. 
That said, five Star Destroyers show up, and General Grievous is like, Oh man, we're- Outgunned! Outmanned! Outnumbered! Outplanned! We're totally ruined, even though they have twice as many ships at least. The Separatist fleet departs post-haste to avoid getting shot up by the Republic. As the Republic ships are attacking the Separatist ships- the Republic ships are firing with no problem and hitting them as they're trying to escape, but none of the Separatist ship are like, oh, well, we might as well fire. Like, there's no reason not to fire our guns at these ships, but they just turn and run away. Well, I think the Republic has the high ground. I have the high ground! Uh, and so they know they can't. There's work. no high ground in space. In space, no one can hear you high ground. <laughs> <laughs> The Separatist fleet is two of the donut ships. Mm, forbidden donut. And then like, I don't know, yeah, seven or nine of their scarab beetle ships. Are those just troop carriers then? Yeah, that's what I was wondering is. Yeah, so like maybe the Separatists were just like, we are going to sneak in with a bare bones crew and just like landing parties out the wazoo. And like, this is how we're going to do it. The Droid Federation ships are called battleships. Those are heavy capital ships. The other ones are like Separatist frigates. All the Separatist ships have, have ridiculous class names. They're like the Munificent class and the Remuneration class and other uh, heavily mercantilist class uh, names. So you're, you're saying that it, it's accurate for ship designations made by like a corporate structure as opposed to a governmental one? It is kind of interesting, though, that when they did have the malevolence they decided to go after the clone hospital. Obviously, they didn't. They weren't planning on losing it, but still, that was their big target as opposed to going after Camino first, where you would think that Camino would be the you know the more the more valuable of the two. Yeah, strategy has never been their strong suit. Back on the planet in the Matt Power rankings, Echo crashed from his previous pole position way to the bottom, where like within five seconds of heavy's sacrifice that blows up the base and saves the day he says heavy always did hate that place it's like dude too soon i feel like being a clone you have to have just a dark sense of humor because you're like i was born four years ago thrown into an intergalactic war as a slave soldier and let's face it i'm not getting out of this thing alive and my my best friend just died as a horny four-year-old going on 14 <laughs> like, who, who terrified those poor gaunt droids just just went to all, town all, all the them. propaganda dj plays is won by space metallica <laughs> exactly <laughs> so yes at the end of things uh the battle has ended the republic gunships come to pick up our heroes from the planet and return them to the, the republic fleet and we have a big award ceremony here at the end where uh, fives and echo are awarded commendations personally by uh general skywalker and general kenobi they're they're very proud rex says that they have what it takes to be members of the 501st and formally uh inducts them into his personal unit proving that they're not shiny anymore and that's the end of the episode it's time for trivia last week the dark side represented by drew and myself posed the light side the question what substance can sustain a person in perfect hibernation so light side what do you think jared i don't know about you but i'm gonna vote for graphite pencil 
I was gonna say Tabana Gas. I was I was gonna go with Carbonite, but then I was like, we make bike locks out of that. That doesn't make any sense. It's gotta be something else. Oh wait, no, I think that's it. Final answer, guys. Yeah, I think that's our final answer. I regret to inform you that that is the correct answer, as per Star Wars Trivial Pursuit. So well done. I think light side is now up to zip. Ooh. That's because the light side is the best. So that means that the light side has to pick a category for the dark side to answer. Is that correct? That is correct. But as the dark side, we can pick, we can choose our own category if we don't like what you guys <laughs> suggest. We're just going to read you the <laughs> question we want to read you anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, the, the overall category choices are the Cantina, the Force, Heroes, Villains, and Scoundrels, the Saga, a Galaxy Far, Far Away, and Hyperspace. What what one do we want to give them, guys? I like Heroes, Villains, and Scoundrels. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like we should give them something, you know, doable at this point. That la- the, the, Their last one sucked. That question is... Who does Luke Skywalker chide? Quote, you're making a mess, close quote. Oh, okay. Well, we have a week to think about it, but but I've got a good feeling about this. I, I feel like this pertains to some media that I have seen more than once. I think we might be okay here. <laughs> Tune in next week to find out the answer to this and many other exciting questions. All right, let's take a moment to sum up what our favorite parts of the episode were. The sexually traumatized Gonk droid. No, no. Gonna <laughs> gonna stop Drew right there. Gonna stop him. Uh, we're just going to mute his feed. There we go, and we're done. I'm gonna say my favorite overall part of the episode was how much better Rex and Cody were, uh, and they clearly made a point in this episode to show how excelled they were, uh, whether it was the, the one-eyed shot, uh, how well they were able to take on the droids, the fact that he literally decapitated a droid with his bare hands, uh, just some really cool, cool moves going on for those guys this episode. I like the beginning that we talked about where they were killing time and it's just kind of, it becomes almost like a scene out of like Starcraft or something to that effect where, you know, they're, they're listening to tunes and they're just, you know, they've got their feet up and it's just kind of like, oh, look, it's not all like, you know, Blasters and battleships. I like the fact that we give Cut up a name and lines, and then he dies walking out of a tube getting eaten by a giant space eel with literally nothing he can do about it. I guess I I think that General Grievous actually formulated an effective plan, had the resources to achieve that plan. They almost pulled it off. This was a surprising amount of competence from the Separatists. I liked the... Roger Roger droid who is momentarily confused when he's trying to explain to Grievous. Isn't it good that the base is destroyed? And uh, Grievous, who in the past has summarily executed droids, must must be on a two-strike situation with HR and just calls him an idiot. Well, he was told how expensive they are and not to break them anymore. Stop it now. Overall, I thought it was fairly solid. It's one of the few episodes without Jedi, really. I mean, the Jedi don't really do anything in this. It took Star Trek The Next Generation until midway through their seventh season before they did Lower Decks, an episode where the main characters from the series were largely incidental. And I think it bodes well for this show that 
the writers are writing with confidence and they're willing to give us an episode like five into the season with basically no Ahsoka, Obi-Wan, or Anakin in it. I will note that this is an episode that does not even come close to passing the Bechdel test. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure there's two women in the episode. Uh, There's only barely one woman in the episode. I I think technically, if you count the opening montage, there's a couple women who appear visually on screen. Is Drew's Drew's feed still off? Because he's going to sexualize those droids again, and I don't like where this is going to go. Well, I'm just saying we don't know the gender expression of any of the clones at Rishi base. Uh, The Republic is monstrous, but if they have given sentience to those fuel droids they, they're just irredeemable <laughs> i think the gonk droids are sentient because we see one being tortured in return of the jedi in jabba's palace <laughs> but we also saw in solo when l you know l337 is like you know i don't know go free your you know captive brothers and sisters get out of my way and they wind up freeing i mean they free all the droids they don't not free the you know the power droid thanks for joining us you can follow us at closing crawl on twitter Please join us next week when we review Season 1, Episodes 6 and 7, Downfall of a Droid, and Duel of the Droids. Thanks, as always, to Bad Lip Reading for our intro music and bumper music. So, as you know, I used to glide on my speed of a